Welcome to Four Eyes, the podcast series that gives you a clear view into the optometry world across Canada and the U.S. We are four optometrists who graduated from the Illinois College of Optometry and are working across North America. And today we're talking about myopia control. We want to offer tips on how to start implementing this into your own practice modality, what management route is best, and the latest research. So here are your hosts. I'm Dr. Deepan Carr. Hi, I'm Dr. Ravinder Rindava. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Kuhn. And I'm Dr. Amrit Bilku. So we're talking about myopia control. And first of all, let's talk about uh, why is myopia or nearsightedness such a concern right now for the general population and current eye care professionals? So first of all, high to or moderate to high myopia, which is considered a refractive error more than minus three diopters, is associated with the development of sight-threatening conditions like retinal detachments, primary open-angle glaucoma, myopic macular degeneration, and the faster progression of cataracts. But why should we care about this? And that's because many scientists and experts are calling myopia a global public health concern and a global epidemic. So there's a lot of studies that show the prevalence of myopia and myopia progression across the world in children. Myopia is more common and increasing in prevalence more quickly than ever before. Extrapolating from current trends show that over half the world's population will be myopic by 2050. And one-tenth will have high myopia, which is considered a refractive error over minus six diopters. And this is reported from the World Health Organization that had a global scientific meeting on myopia in Sydney, Australia in 2015. So what are the main risk factors of myopia and myopia progression? Um, Genetics are obviously involved. So numerous studies have suggested that the prevalence of myopia increases significantly with the number of myopic parents. Um, The associated development risk rates are approximately 8% for no myopic parents, approximately 15% for one myopic parent, and 45% for two myopic parents. Alex, where do you fall into that since you're highly myopic? (laughs) (laughs) So my father is a high myope, and then my mother is a high hyperope. Oh. So you'd think that I'd land somewhere in the middle, maybe? No. By the way, Alex... All my other siblings do. Yeah, Alex is a minus 10 diopter Yeah, just about. (laughs) I was was minus... Seven. Yes, you were quite high as before well. LASIK. Yeah. And Rav over here is a freaking emetrope. So let's no, 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 no. Actually, <laughs> I fall in the second part. I fall into the the risk factor of environmental myopic. Ooh, Ooh you yeah. reading too much these days? No, optometry <laughs> school did that to me. Before oh, going yeah. to optometry school, I was twenty fifteen each eye. Yeah, and we re-remember when we <laughs> practice refraction on yes, you. Yes, and when we practice uh, on my third year, and I was minus, right now I'm minus uh, 0.50 in one eye, and I'm minus 0.25, oh, wow. 25 oh, in the other eye. Oh, me a river. How That's, dare that happen? <laughs> here I am a living proof that environmental causes yeah. myopia. Okay, well that brings us to the second risk factor <laughs> that we were talking about, the environment. Yeah. So 
Um, basically, that involves how much outdoor activity children and young adults are getting exposed to. There's also a lot of conflicting research and debate amongst authors on how reading, writing, and visual work performed at near and in certain lighting conditions influences the development of myopia. Also, another risk factor involves low leg of accommodation. So due to the lack of focus at near, images are projected behind the retina, thus signaling the eye to elongate, causing myopia. And this is a big one, peripheral retinal hyperopic defocus. So a lot of studies that I have read are targeting this specific risk factor. And um, this basically means that the eye is not in focus across its entire retinal surface at any one time. So the idea is that the peripheral retina can be out of focus while the central straight ahead vision is in sharp focus. The specific measurement in various studies used to identify the main risk factors of myopia progression is essentially the specific way we need to slow it down. And it all comes down to one thing, and that's controlling the axial elongation of the eyes. So let's get into the current treatment options of myopia progression. And we kind of broke it down into you know, different categories. And let's start with pharmaceuticals and the atropine eye drops. So let's all remember that all of the treatment options for myopia control are going to be off-label. We will go into detail later about the newest um, FDA-approved option. But um, for pharmaceuticals, it's really just atropine eye drops, um, which have been proven to be effective in slowing down myopia control from the ADAM and LAMP studies. The extension of the LAMP studies showed that atropine of 0.05% has the most efficacy in reducing progression of the spherical equivalent refractive error and axial elongation. You pretty much get the most bang for your buck because atropine has a dose-dependent efficacy. So the higher concentration gives greater reduction in myopia progression, but also higher risk of side effects, most commonly the blurry vision, eye irritation, and light sensitivity. So I know we were supposed to put the atropine in both eyes every night, but any studies that showed how long we're supposed to do that? Like, like is that like a year thing or is that? I think that's where follow-ups come into play. So we don't know when do we, like telling them like, What's what age do they stop at? Well, when you think about the amount of time it takes for refractive error to stabilize is um, pretty much in your early 20s. So interestingly, we do tell parents, like even when their kids are like six or seven years old and we're enrolling them in myopia control and it's like, you know, like, I don't know, five, six hundred dollars per year. We do tell them in advance before they sign up that you know, your kid will likely still progress up until their early 20s before they really stabilize. So they actually do recommend to continue myopia control until, you know, their late teens and early 20s. So, yeah, you, you imagine, need a lot of money for that. <laughs> imagine telling your patients that like, hey, we're going to put you on a drop that you need yeah. to use till your age 21 every day, every night. But um, but I mean, it's it's true, right? I mean, if you're going to you can't really promise parents that, you know, myopia control is going to work for X amount of years and then that's it. 
But when you think about it logically, I mean, it does make sense. If you stop myopia control when they're 10, they're still going to progress until their early 20s. So why not? Why not go all in? Well, and they could also start on atropine and then try a different route, too. They could do a multifocal. Like, there's different options that they can do. Yeah. So, actually, let's go into that. Our next option, because that was the only pharmaceutical option we had, (laughs) were um, specialized contact lenses. With natural view contact lenses, we started, well, my dad, he's the one that actually prescribed this in um, practice, and he's prescribed about four different myopes with it um and there was a clinical trial the study only included 32 children with 64 percent female and uh 36 percent male and it was children who wore natural view multifocal contact lenses for six to 25 months the annual refractive error change decreased 96 percent with contacts compared to prior correction So instead of progressing negative 0.86 diopters in both eyes, there was only a negative 0.04 diopter progression. And 81% of the children showed no refractive error or a decrease in the refractive error. Are natural view lenses um, available in Canada as well? I don't think so. I've actually... That I don't know. I've never heard of those lenses before. Have you, Rav? No, I haven't. Um, but what is available in Canada is the Biofinity Multifocal Distance Center Monthly Contact Lens and the ProClear Multifocal Distance Center Monthly Contact Lens. And we'll talk about my site more de- in more detail a little bit later. But um, the main thing with these two contact lenses is that there were studies done in 8- to 11-year-olds that showed contact lens wear resulted in a 50% reduction in the progression of myopia and about a 30% reduction in axial elongation during a two-year treatment period compared to the control group. Now, the study goes further into what kind of ad powers they used, but we can add links to the study in our information list and people can look at that but that's what's available in Canada but I've never actually um, fit these on any kids yet a lot of parents that I've talked to are really hesitant about their young children using contact lenses and if they're responsible enough to take care of their contact lenses especially monthlies so that's why I think the MySight contact lens is um, really great. I think it's also important to talk with the parents and it might not be, they're going to be signed up with myopia control right away, but the earlier you can start talking to them about it and then maybe next year they're interested yes. in it after they've kind of thought about it and that um, is did some research a really important point that Alex brought up because I've come across a couple pediatric parents patients where their refractive error is progressing quite quickly so they'll be like a minus one in like one year and then a minus 250 the next year and then whenever I bring up you know contact lenses or even these glasses that we can talk about later um, they're not interested in spending that amount right away so just kind of introducing the idea and getting the parents and even child used to what the potential treatments can be and then talking about it again and again 
um, at their next eye exam is super important because not everyone is educated about all this and they're not, they don't have the resources to look all this stuff up or whatever, but, or they're just not aware of it. Um, so when you bring up this idea, they're like, Oh, I don't, I can't afford that. Or I don't think I don't want to jump to that right away, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So let's all give a big warm welcome to the new FDA approved soft lens MySight One Day by Cooper Vision. I mean, new in the US, Canada's kind of ahead of the game. It's already had MySight for what, like a few years? It is launching in March 2020 for the US, um, which hopefully is now because we should have this episode out by then. Um, but it's already available in Canada. And Rav, you said you've already been fitting it. The MySight is available up to minus four sphere. Only in the States, you can get astigmatism. But in Canada right now, there's no astigmatism. So but it's only in, in Canada, it's available from um, minus 0.25 to minus six. Why the hell is it different for both countries? Like, can't you just make the same damn thing? <laughs> I don't know. That is weird. No one's a minus six in in the U.S. Sorry, Alex. And no one has astigmatism in Canada. <laughs> you want to bet? <laughs> well, the lenses were studied for three years. Um, so now they're finally FDA approved, which is really nice because I feel like now we can finally tell parents like there is an option that is FDA approved. I mean, even though it really honestly doesn't matter. But I mean, in parents' minds, when you hear off-label, they kind of get a little freaked out. And I've actually used my site on, I've done it on two patients so far. Um, and uh, I really like the contact lenses. It was really easy to fit with the my site. Just kind of treated like a normal contact lens, soft contact lenses. Patient had no problem with um, adaptation as well. I haven't followed the patient long enough to see how well the contact lenses are working and the progression of myopia, but I will keep you guys updated. I do want to make it clear that out of like most of the studies that have, um, that have used soft multifocal contact lenses to monitor myopia control, the distance centered contact lenses are um, more effective than near centered. So whatever type of multifocal contact lens that you feel comfortable fitting your patients in, if you are planning or currently doing myopia control in your in your mode of practice, um, you want to make sure you follow those brands that have the distance-centered contact lens. So ProClear, um, Biofinity, Multifocals, and the Natural View. Right? And the Natural, natural view, view also has, which is really cool. Yeah, has the distance-centered. So that's really important to remember. Another treatment option for myopia control, which I on, I personally feel like it's being pushed aside now because of newer studies and newer treatment options are um, bifocal or pa or progressive lenses. And so is anyone still doing this? Because I know for sure, I mean, at Berkeley, we're not doing this anymore. Um, we're pretty much offering atropine, soft multifocals and ortho -Ks. A lot of the studies I've read on this said that just basic bifocal glasses or progressive lenses don't really help with myopia progression, but then there's other studies that say it do, or it does help. Um, but there's this one particular study in 2014 that showed bifocal spectacles can slow myopia progression in Chinese Canadian children that 
are were aged mm-hmm. that were aged between or that were eight to eight to thirteen years old. So their results suggested that if they added a three base in prism in the near segment of the bifocal lens, that was more effective in slowing myopia progression and axial elongation for myopic children with low legs of accommodation. So it just wasn't it just wasn't a regular ad. They had prism and everything in there, um, but just for a regular a regular progressive lens or bifocal glasses, I don't think there's a lot of studies to show that it has slowed down myopia progression. And it, it might be also a harder thing to sell to parents that because so people have an issue wearing a bifocal because they feel like it makes them look old, right? Yeah. So by putting their child in a bifocal, I could see a lot of resistance from parents because they associate it with being old. Granted, it's a completely different reason, but like a lot of people want progressive lenses, which is great. But then if the kid gets the progressive lens and doesn't actually use it properly where, you know, they're looking through the near portion when they're trying to read, that could also play an effect of it too, that they're not using it properly and those little rascals break their frames every three months yeah (laughs) that's true they're a little harder on uh i found a really i found a really interesting fact that um when kids wear contact lenses especially for myopia control they have a way less prevalence rate of getting corneal issues or ocular infections from the contact lenses compared to adults because the parents are the ones managing their contact lenses or inserting them, removing them, cleaning them for the kid. So parents are like extra cautious when they're dealing with contact lenses. So it's actually a really good option. I just want to add one more thing to why we were talking about why the progressive lenses are not as popular as the contact lens option. The studies that have been done on them, the average amount that the like the glasses slow down myopia progression is much lower than like contact lenses um so there's a common misconception that being outdoors out in the sun decreases the myopic progression in the eyes but after looking through um, a bit of research that evaluates the effect of being outdoors with myopia progression the take-home message was actually that there is a correlation between increased outdoor activity and the reduced incidence of myopia not affecting the progression of myopia once it's started. And there's a new study that was recently published in February 2020 in ophthalmology. Um, It was a study done in Taiwan. It was done from 2001 to 2015, and they measured uncorrected acuities of over a million kids that were from grades 1 through 6. And from 2001 to 2011, they noticed that the prevalence of myopia increased from 34 to 50%. So because of that, they decided to implement this new school program that required all kids to spend 120 minutes every day outside for myopia progression. And what they noticed is that after those four years of implementing the program, they found that the prevalence of myopia decreased from 49.4% to 46.1%. So first of all, they didn't measure um, refractive error. So it's all just uncorrected acuities, assuming that most of this population 
um, was becoming myopic and not hyperopic or just high astigmatism. And also the prevalence is still pretty high. Um, but in their study, it is statistically significant that the prevalence of myopia reduced with more time spent outdoors. They were not measuring the progression of myopia in the same children. So this study um, is brand new and hopefully emphasizes the point that spending time outdoors will reduce the onset of myopia. Well, me being a negative 10 and and playing sports all day every day and playing sports my whole life granted yes i live in alaska we have short like winter we have you know darkness whatever but the summer it's really bright i spend so much time outside and i'm still minus 10 i am very bitter you didn't have your uv protection (laughs) apparently not that was what i was missing So Deepon, before this before this episode, Deepon actually asked me a really interesting question about vision therapy helping to slow down myopia progression. So because, you know, one of the older, I guess, theories behind myopia progression was that uh, myopes with a low leg of accommodation or just accommodative dysfunction in general progress faster than myopes who have a robust accommodative system. And I definitely want to clarify, there is no solid evidence so far that vision therapy contributes to slowing down myopic progression. However, there are some theories out there which would be a really great opportunity for more research to be done. Um, You know, it kind of goes more into like behavioral vision therapy. So there are some theories, um, especially in the COVD articles that suggest increasing peripheral awareness during vision therapy to slow down myopia control. That kind of also relates to, you know, being outdoors or having a sense that, um, you know, you're, you're more aware of your peripheral surroundings because when we do near tasks or when we hold anything up close, we have this kind of like um, tunnel vision. Like we're really, really focused on things that are placed centrally. Um, And even in general, I mean, there's so many benefits to vision therapy, even if it's not specifically for myopia control. So if there are myopes out there with accommodative dysfunction, I mean, you should still recommend vision therapy to treat those areas anyways. But yeah, I just thought it was really interesting and i just wanted to bring that up and kind of clarify that um i don't know if you guys have seen this resource before but have you heard of the myopia cal uh calculator no no tell us more so i included this at the bottom of everything so basically what it is it was put out by bhvi global myopia center and what you can do with this calculator is you can put in their eth- so either if the child is Asian or Caucasian, and then the age of the child and their current refractive error, and they they have multiple myopia man- management options, um, all the way from multifocal soft contact lenses to bifocals to low dose atropine, high dose atropine combined treatment, um, and you can actually look at the chances basically how much the patient would progress if they had management or no management oh that's really cool so it's a good yeah it's a good thing to 
I saw this, I think, at one of my externships. So it's a good thing that you can visually show parents. Yeah, yeah. This is what can happen. Oh, okay, cool. Just another thing, keep the patient's binocular vision status in mind, especially if choosing to treat with softer, hard contact lenses, um, just because the effect on binocular vision function on soft multifocal contact lenses depends on the lens designs. So there are some exam guidelines for each type of modality that you want to incorporate in your practice. I think it would be nice to just go over like quick points for each one. So like if you're going to consider ortho-K for myopia control in your practice, then you definitely want to incorporate your follow-up schedule, like a one day, one week, one month. And then if everything is looking good with the fit, then you'd probably want to follow up like every six months after that. Um, always remember to do your topography. Um, yeah, so for multifocals, I actually have them, when I first fit them, I check it after one month um, and then a six-month follow-up. And with the six months, just check the vision, um, binocular, um, distance vision, and um, near vision as well. I also do the cover test at distance and near with the contact lens and just uh, a quick refraction. Yeah, and there's no, we also don't have a machine that checks like the axial length of the eye. So, yeah. Ah, then you can't do myopia control. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, if you don't have I, you that, know, then this is done. Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely having an A scan to measure the axial length um, every year. So, once a year is the kind of like the, the, the gold standard to monitor for myopia progression. I mean, I'm in the same boat as Rav and Deepon. I don't have an A scan. At my, at our clinic, we don't have one. So, I mean, I could see how that could work. It kind of sounds like what ophthalmologists do with cataract surgery. It's pretty similar. They get like their follow-ups basically included in it, everything, which makes sense. Lastly, we want to mention some upcoming research that's uh, coming up in myopia control. So I do want to mention Dr. Kair Savla, uh, who's working with Dr. Andrew Pucker at the University of Alabama. They are currently conducting a study that is assessing whether multifocal toric contact lenses can be used effectively to control myopia progression in patients with myopia and higher astigmatism. Because right now, there really aren't a lot of studies or contact lens options for myopia control specifically for myopes that have higher astigmatism. The only option for high astigmatism is um, low-dose atropine right now. So... They're including patients ages 8 to 12 years and with myopia of 0.5 to minus 6 diopters and astigmatism up to 1 diopter. Right now, they're using the ART Opticals IntelliWave Multifocal Toric for the treatment group and IntelliWave Toric for the control group. They don't have any outcomes right now because they're recruiting in April by this year. So... I feel like let's just keep looking out patients who have astigmatism are constantly forgotten. And I don't know if it's like, (laughs) it's like there has to be so much more research done and it's like, oh, this is too much work. Next, we have um, a power woman, Dr. Celia Gong, who's an OD at Berkeley right now. She is working on two studies that are currently going on. The first one she's involved in is the CHAMP study. So childhood atropine for myopia progression. They are evaluating the safety and efficacy of two low-dose concentrations of atropine that are preservative-free. 
um, because right now there's no preservative-free option for atropine. So they are including myopes from 3 to 17 years old with minus 0.5 to minus 6 diopters of myopia. They're using 0.01 and 0.02% of atropine concentrations. Her second study that she's involved in is the chaperone study. Um, so they are using microdose atropine 0.1 and 0.01% solutions for reduction of pediatric myopia progression. So they are using a microdose device. I think it's um, made by Inovia. So this basically uses a very, very small dose delivered by an opto optojet dispenser. Um, it's kind of like a little spray that goes in the eyes, which is much easier to instill in kids and honestly, even old patients because they're really bad at taking their drops. So they are using 3 to 12-year-old myopes between 1 to 6 diopters of myopia. Um, and then they're going to also use microdoses of preservative-free atropine. And um, they have nothing to report yet, but they're currently recruiting subjects at Berkeley. So the link to that study will also be in the bio. Thanks, everyone, for listening in to Four Eyes. Feel free to email us if you want to add to our discussion or for any other topics that you're interested in hearing about. Stay tuned for next week when we have a showdown of our favorite soft contact lenses and talk about new contact lenses with virtual reality. See you then.